This is the message from Connection Community Church for the weekend of February 23rd, 2019. Autocorrect, center to winner. Good morning, Connection Church. Morning. Good morning. This is just, just a glorious day to be part of God's kingdom. Amen? Amen. Amen. So today we finish up our series, Autocorrect. As we said before, autocorrect is that feature on phones and computers that attempts to correct the spelling of a word as you are typing it. It tries to figure out where you're going kind of ahead of you, and sometimes that results in some very interesting, frustrating, challenging, hilarious, and even embarrassing situations. In our Christian walk, uh, God has kind of an autocorrect system for us, uh, for our thinking, for our lives, we're Maybe focus on something negative, which is not unusual for many of us, and God works overtime to kind of change, to adjust, auto-correct our thinking to something more positive, something maybe more transforming, something more God-centered, more Christ-centered. And so this morning, God's auto-correct we're going to look at is changing sinner to winner. Good morning, Connection Church. It is great to be with you this morning. My name's Carrie Jones. I'm Alan Jones. And we are two sinners who have been saved by the grace of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, which means that becomes a winner, just like each one of you, because Jesus' blood covers us. Amen. Amen. There's a couple things that I just want to um, share before we get started. First of all, um, Ed and Bill, I don't know if Bill's in here, welcome back. Can't wait to hear about your Africa trip. We'll figure out when. And we prayed for you. As our team, and I need to be a little more careful about my words now, but our team of 10 um, had a, I would say, transformative experience when we traveled across the ocean, and um, the work that's being done over there is incredible, as I'm sure in Africa Um, to partner with others who have it so bad and the poverty is so deep. And it was an honor to be representing Connection Community Church with our team. And you can be really proud of the team. They dug so deep and um, experienced things that they'd never seen and spoke and prayed with others and sang and all kinds of things. So we are all happy to be back. Um, If you're interested in Africa, please see um, Ed, because I'm sure you'll have a trip in the future. And we're already gearing up for our next trip, which will be February 2021. And the team is already starting to get filled up, so it's pretty exciting. can't imagine what it's like to be under such persecution. And we are such a blessed people to be able to worship freely. And um, so that's it. Um, and if you want to know what I'm talking about and you don't know what I'm talking about, just see me after church. Okay, we're trying to protect the relationship we have with the, the church um, on the other side of the world. The other thing I want to say is, oh my goodness, this is like the last time on Sunday that we don't 
come back on Monday for church. It's like, okay, staff, we normally have Monday off, but we don't have it off anymore. <laughs> and we are so excited, actually, because there's a lot of energy. And we want to say one humongous thank you to all of you. We thought that when we started this, which God told us about a long time ago, and it, the time is right, that we would have a terrible time filling gaps. How are we going to make it work with music? How are we going to make it work with all of the volunteers? God has made that happen. Almost all of the slots are filled. We're able to do two services on one Sunday and one service on Monday, and it's because of all of you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Amazing. So um, the only slots that I'm aware of that are kind of need a little bit of help on Monday night, because it's so dark outside, parking lot. Like you get to do your, your lights and all that kind of stuff out in the parking. So if you can be a part of that once a month or twice a month, see Tim Wilkins. We always need help with the children and babies. So if you can help with that, um, Laura Wilkins. But I'm telling you, we can run it to, um, next Monday night without a hitch. So God is good all the time. All the time, all God is good. Amen? Amen. All right, Amen. let's get started. I will pray. Almighty God, thank you so much that we can gather here at 4744 Summit Bridge Road and that we have all these people that are joining us from all over. Thank you for those who are tuning in online. We are one church, many locations, and we give you all the honor and the glory and the praise in the name of the Father and the Son and by the power of the Holy Spirit. Everybody agreed and said? Amen. Amen. So autocorrect, sinner to winner. Let's talk about sinner. We've shared many That's times. That's a real downer, actually. Huh? Oh, well, woo. Let's they talk about right sinner. right in, both feet, deep end. Yeah. Sinner, as we've shared many times, uh, in the beginning... Back there in Genesis, first book of the Bible, it was paradise. Paradise. You know, Garden of Eden and all, Adam and Eve running shamelessly around in their birthday suits. Everything free, not a care in the world. Just one no-no. Just one, just one no-no. And it was right there in the middle of the garden, so you couldn't miss it. That one tree that you can't eat from. So, of course... That's the one they eat from. <laughs> and we wonder, how could they so be so foolish? How, how could they do exactly the opposite of what God told them and make such a life-altering, fatal choice? And then we realize, it looked a, if we look in the, in the mirror closely, we would have done exactly the same thing, wouldn't we? Yeah, yeah because that's what we do <laughs> on a daily basis. We resemble Adam and Eve a whole lot more than we'd care to admit. Anyway, they did eat the fruit, and everything changes. Everything changes. Their eyes were open. They realized that they were naked. Their vulnerability, their, their shame, it all came to be. And they attempted to cover their bad choices uh, that they've made with, um, to cover their nakedness, and they knew that that probably wasn't ever going to happen again. Genesis 3, 8 through 9, New International Version. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. Isn't that a great, in the cool of the day. And, and they hid from the Lord God. 
among the trees in the garden. But the Lord God called to the man, where are you? Where are you? Hiding from God. It, it seems pretty funny when we think about it. Hiding from God who's all-powerful, all-knowing, you know, all-present, the creator of all things, hiding from God. And yet that's what Adam and Eve did, crazy as it seems. And if we're real, that's what we do too. We hide from God, or we try, but we are no more <coughs> successful than they were. What's even more incredible than the man and the woman hiding is the fact that God comes looking for them. They did exactly the opposite of what God had told them to do, and yet, yet God cares enough about them, God loves them enough to come looking for them. And it's not so much to punish them, although they will be held accountable for, for what they've done, but but God comes looking for them because God knows that they need him now more than ever. They need to be rescued from their bad choice. They need to be rescued from their shame. They need to be rescued from themselves. They need to be saved. And they can't save themselves. Only God can save them. And so God comes calling, where are you? Where are you? That's a really interesting question because, you know, God knows exactly where they are while they're hiding. But the question really does go much deeper than mere location. Where are you? Yeah, physically, where are you? But actually, he's, God may be thinking, okay, where are you emotionally, psychologically? Where are you spiritually? Sin separates us from God, puts a distance between us in certain areas of our lives. And right now, they are far, far, far from God in these areas. And so God poses the very important question, where are you? God asked that same question, where are you? Where are you in, in terms of your relationship with God? Where are you? Are you hiding? Thinking that God doesn't know what you're thinking, what you're feeling? Have you eaten some forbidden fruit? <laughs> Trying to hide, hoping God doesn't find out? Are you feeling afraid, vulnerable, shameful, naked? Are you feeling that you're far, far from God alone, trying to somehow redeem your actions on your own, trying somehow to save yourself? Where are you, God asks. So God has this conversation with Adam and Eve where they admit that they're afraid because they're naked, uh, literally and figuratively exposed. God asks them, um, who told you that? Who told you that? Because it's not God who causes the fear. It's not God who causes vulnerability. It's not God who um, separate, causes any of that. Yes, God does hold the man and the woman accountable for their sin, but is the serpent, devil, Satan, 
Whatever we want to call the evil one, he is the one that plants the fear, the vulnerability, all that stuff in our heads and in our hearts that separate us from God. It's not God. Well, the consequences of their sin was that the woman would have pain in childbearing and the man would painfully work all the days of his life until he returns to the dust from which he was created. Genesis 3:21 New International Version The Lord God made garments of skin for Adam and his wife and clothed them. So God holds the man and woman accountable for their sin and then God does something that's absolutely incredible. God sacrifices a part of his creation, one of his creatures, one of the creatures that he's created in order to make garments of skin in order to offer Adam and Eve a covering for their sin, for their vulnerability, for their nakedness. God gracefully redeems their nakedness through sacrifice. God saves them from themselves, allowing them to come out of hiding, bringing them close to God once again, sinner to winner. As, as we move through the scripture, oh, don't forget to take your postcard and give it away for Sunday on Monday. As we move through the scripture, we find this kind of who's who of sinners to winners. We find in the Old Testament a guy named Abraham, the father of many nations. He puts his wife in this very compromising situation in order to protect himself. But God still calls him to be the father of many nations. And, and all comes from Abraham, Jews and Muslims. And then we have Moses. Moses killed a guy in Egypt. He fled to escape the punishment. And then he was called by God to free the Hebrew people from slavery. David. David wrote a lot of the Psalms in the scripture. David, he committed adultery, tried to hide that. Boy, oh boy, do we sure try to hide our sin. He tried to hide that by having the woman's husband go up on the, the war front so that he might get killed. And then David proceeded to become the greatest king Israel ever had and he has this little name after his name, David, a man after God's own heart. Because that's who David was. He was a man after God's own heart, despite what he did. Then we've got Rahab. Rahab was a prostitute who helped the Hebrew army capture the city of Jericho. And by the way, we have her name. She's enlisted Jesus' genealogy, Rahab. Peter. Peter, we talked about Peter a couple weeks ago. You know, Peter loving God, and he's like walking across the water, getting ready to go to God. And that Peter denied Jesus three times when Jesus was arrested and on his way to the cross. Hey, don't you know Jesus? No, I don't know him. After all that time he spent with him, seeing all that? No, I don't know him. But God used Peter to carry the message of the gospel all across the region. Peter, the rock standing on Peter. Amazing. 
And then we have Saul, who became Paul. Paul, who wrote a lot of the second half of the Bible. Paul, whose mission it was to kill Christians. He held the very cloak so Stephen could be killed, martyred. But God used Paul to spread the gospel all across the world. And it's Paul's readings that, that we gain such insight and direction for our lives. Throughout the scriptures, we see over and over and over again how God, how Jesus Christ turns sinners to winners. When it comes to sinner to winner, the ultimate autocorrect is Jesus himself. His story is an all-star collection of sinners to winners. Over and over and over again, we read of a sinner who becomes a winner thanks to an encounter with Jesus. You know, back in those days, we read in the scriptures the term tax collector and the word sinner are <laughs> basically interchangeable. As those individuals who collected taxes notoriously overcharged on the taxes, they cheated people for their own personal game. And we read of a guy named Zacchaeus. Anybody heard of Zacchaeus? The wee little man. The wee little man was he. And we read where he's a chief tax collector. You know how you get to be chief tax collector? Well, you cheat people out of more money than any of the other tax collectors, and you do it better than anybody else in your office. Yeah. Yep. There you go. Well, Zacchaeus was a wee little man and a wee little... He climbed up in a sycamore tree for the Lord he wanted to see. Anybody remember that? Yeah, yeah. That's what I learned in, like, Sunday school. Let me tell you about the story found in Luke 19 about Zacchaeus. So Zacchaeus is up in the tree trying to see Jesus pass by. And when Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and he saw him. And he said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and began to mutter, he has gone to be with the guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor, and if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, because this man, too, is the son of Abraham, for the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. Zacchaeus, sinner to winner, thanks to Jesus Christ. Earlier in this same book of Luke, we read where Jesus accepts a dinner invitation to uh, the house of a Pharisee. Now, Pharisees were uh, members, it was a, a sect of the Jews that interpreted Scripture very strictly, very literally, very narrowly. They, they tended to be, when we read in Scripture, judgmental, and generally speaking, very suspect of Jesus, and, and so they watched him very closely. And we have to wonder why a Pharisee would be inviting Jesus to dinner as Jesus and the Pharisees often did not see eye to eye. Perhaps this was one of the few Pharisees who supported Jesus. 
Perhaps on the other hand, he wanted to ask him some tough questions publicly in front of the other guests to put him on the spot. Or maybe he just liked having celebrities at his house for dinner. And at this point, Jesus is starting to have kind of celebrity status in this area. A woman in that town who lived a sinful life learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house. So she came there with an alabaster jar of perfume. As she stood behind him at his feet weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears. Then she wiped them with her hair, kissed them, and poured perfume on them. Scripture says she lived a sinful life. Hello? Don't we all? Why is that pointed out? Well, they point it out because in this case, there's a reason. In Scripture, especially this part of Scripture, when it's referring to a woman says lived a sinful life, it usually means sexual sin and often refers to prostitution. Now, the host saw her there, and he thought to himself, if Jesus were were really a prophet, Jesus would know what kind of woman this gal is, a sinner. Now, Jesus knows what the guy is thinking. And so he asked them this. He says, you know, if two people are forgiven a debt by a moneylender, which will love him more, the one who had the greater or the lesser debt. And the Pharisee responds, well, the greater, you know, it's, it's more to forgive, so to speak. And, and Jesus says, you're correct. Then he, Jesus, turned toward the woman and said to Simon, do you see this woman? I came into your house. You did not give me any water for my feet, but she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You did not give me a kiss, but this woman, from the time I entered, has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not put oil on my head, but she has poured perfume on my feet. Therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven, as her great love has shown. But whoever has been forgiven little, loves little. Then Jesus said to her, your sins are forgiven. The other guests began to say among themselves, Who is this who even forgives sins? Jesus said to the woman, Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Hmm. Sinner to winner, once again, thanks to Jesus Christ. Hmm. See, here's the thing. Thanks to the fall in the garden, thanks to that forbidden fruit that was eaten, we're all in the sinner boat, aren't we? We're all in the center boat, each, each and every one of us. And we're all reminded by Paul in his letter to the church of Rome. We're reminded of this when we read in Romans 3.23. Here's what we say, New Living Translation. For everyone has sinned, we all fall short of God's glorious standard. So let's take a look at this. What, what kind of jumps out there? Everyone and all. Everyone sinned, all fall short, not just a couple, not just a few. Every single one of us, none of us is exempt. Thanks to that original sin, that fall in the garden, 
bad choices then, bad choices now, we all fall short of the glory of God. We're all sinners, and that's really important for us to not forget. But once we realize that, once we, we claim our sinfulness, so to speak, God does not want us to stop there and stay there. God does not want us to dwell there, to get stuck in the mud and the mire. Whenever we read Romans 3.23, we must not stop there, but we must continue with verse 24. Yeah. Let's say the whole thing together, will you? Starting with for every, for everyone, everyone has, has sinned. sinned. We, we all fall short, short of God's, God's glorious standard. standard. <laughs> Yet God, in, in his grace, freely makes us right in his sight. He did this through Christ Jesus when, when he, he freed us, us from, from the penalty, penalty for our sins. Isn't that good news? Oh my goodness, we don't have to stay in that place of darkness. He has come to free us, to save us. The Bible is all through, we hear about this in the New Testament. Check this out. Peter, no, Paul, reiterates this as he states it a little while later as his consequences of sin, but he reminds us that forgiveness is available through Jesus Christ. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. Eternal life. I'm not just talking about when we die and we go to heaven. I'm talking about life here on earth <coughs> and in heaven. We start our eternity <coughs> here with God now. We say that in the Lord's Prayer, here on earth as it is in heaven. On earth as it is. That's such good news for all of us that we don't have to stay stuck there. And so I'm a sinner, and so are you. But we don't have to wallow in it, do we? We can, uh, we can admit it, but we don't have to wallow in it. And in fact, Jesus gave his life so that we wouldn't have to stay there. Remember that first sacrifice that we talked about this morning that God made, the uh, skin for Adam and Eve to cover their, their nakedness, their vulnerability. That was the first sacrifice. Jesus is the final sacrifice. That's why we don't have, now you guys don't bring animals in every, <laughs> on, and we don't, this doesn't look like a bloodbath on the altar, you know, up here at front. Because the ultimate sacrifice was made in the person of Jesus Christ. Took place up there. On the cross and... Yeah, that ultimate sacrifice. He is the final sacrifice. No more sacrifices needed. Covering his life covers the sin in our lives. He died so that we might live. He died to pay the price that's too great for any one of us to pay. If it was up to us, we can't pay. Our sin is too great for us to pay that price. We can't. He gave his perfect life. To pay the debt on the imperfect lives of you and me. Wow. Wow. So check this out. For God so loved the world, that's you, that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him, whoever's you, could be you, whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, to condemn you, 
but to save you through him. First half, that's probably the most well-known verse, <laughs> at least of the New uh, Testament, if not the whole Bible. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. 3.16, John 3.16. Don't ever forget John 3.17, though. For God did not send him into the world to condemn the world. That's not his purpose. What's the purpose? To save the world. To save you and to save me. Not to condemn us, but to save us through Jesus Christ. That's how much God loves you. That's how much he loves me. That's how much Christ loves us. This much. <laughs> this much. His arms spread out as he's hung on a cross. That much. Enough to autocorrect us from sinner to winner. Free gift. Free gift of salvation. And all we have to do is accept it. You know, a gift has no value if you don't accept it, does it? You have to accept it as we open ourselves up to that relationship that Jesus Christ offers. Open ourselves up to the fact that we're sinners in need of a Savior. We can't save ourselves. The one who died on that cross is our Savior. You're a sinner, me too. Will you invite Jesus into your life? Maybe for the first time, maybe for the thousandth time. You know, it's important every day to remind that we need Jesus in our lives, allowing us to go from sinner to winner. Will you invite him to be your Savior so that he can say to you, as he has to so many others, your sins are forgiven. Go in peace. Go in peace. Amen? Amen. Amen. That's the good news of Jesus Christ. Let's believe it. Let's live it. Let's pray. Let's pray. Most holy God, um, thank you. Uh, uh, thank you for, for loving us so much that you would offer the ultimate sacrifice, that we would, uh, that we don't have to wallow in that sin, but we might be forgiven and might realize new life in Jesus Christ. I pray that each one here will realize that relationship with Jesus Christ. Maybe, uh, maybe it's before now, maybe realizing it once again, reminder. Or maybe today is the first day. Maybe this is the first day of a new beginning of a relationship with Jesus Christ. I, I, I pray that each one here before they leave will know you as their personal Savior, will open their hearts to invite you in and say, Lord, I need you. Lord, I need you. I need you. I need you. I cannot save myself. Lord, I need you, Lord and Savior, in my life. I pray that each one here will be open to the power of your Holy Spirit, Lord, to bring that in. We pray these things in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. All Connections Church said, Amen. Thank you for joining us for our podcast. For more information about Connection Community Church in Middletown, Delaware, please visit our website at justshowup.church. You can also call our church offices at 302-378-7692. Connection Community Church, connecting people with Jesus and the life he offers.